like I was somehow broken or messed up because I wasn't happy doing what you're supposed to do. So I really struggled with that for many years. You know, I just reached a point where I just I had to change something. And so basically just dissolved that life and went back to hiking. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. Hey, everybody. For today's Life Outside the Box episode, we have Heather Anderson, and she uh, oh, she has done a lot. So we our conversation um, revolves around her most recent uh, experience slash adventure, which was doing the triple crown in a calendar year. So she started pretty early last year and finished around November of 2018. So she hasn't been off the trail that long. And her book just came out called Thirst. It came out this month. Definitely check it out. Not only has she done the triple crown, but she's done all three of, uh, and if you don't know what the triple crown is, sorry, it is the Appalachian Trail. Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. She did all three of those trails, almost 8,000 miles of hiking, in a vertical gain of more than a million feet. She did that in a year. Crazy. Not only has she done that, she's done all those trails three separate times, <laughs> which is nuts. But her, her book, Thirst, that just came out, is it's about how she was really unsatisfied after her first experience with the Appalachian Trail. Uh, she left a job, marriage, um, really dissatisfied life to go back to the mountains. And it is a very open, very honest story. And we get into that in this podcast or in this episode. And when she did the Triple Crown, that, that, that put her as the first woman to do the Triple Crown in a calendar year. How cool is that? And in the process, she set the female fastest known time, of course, because she's the only one to do it. She hiked for 251 days, 20 hours, and 10 minutes. And she she is also the only female to do the triple, triple crowner. <laughs> and she holds the overall self-supported fastest known time on the Pacific Crest Trail. Overall, not even for male and female, overall self-supported fastest known time for the entire PCT. Did it in 60 days. She broke the men's record by four days, which is just ridiculous. That's incredible. She also holds the women's self-supported fastest known times on the Appalachian Trail in 54 days and the Arizona Trail, which she did in 19 days. She's hiked more than 30,000 miles since 2003, including 13 through hikes. So I'm really excited to get into this conversation. Um, she is highly accomplished and will, she already is, but will also be a through hiking legend um, for years and years to come with all those fastest known times and miles and miles of trails, more than the circumference of the earth. That's just crazy. And, uh, you know, we don't get and terribly, she doesn't want to reveal too much about the book, but the 
book. I started reading it, and um, it is it is an awesome story. It it follows her kind of her daily thoughts on the PCT and um, kind of the life that she left behind to be back out there. I know a lot of us out there experience that. We have a great grand adventure, and then we feel stuck in our lives. And, you know, every life is going to be different. Every one's journey and story is different. And we all have different levels of responsibilities. And, you know, she just powerful journey about trying to not, not have nothing to look forward to looking forward. That's, that's, that's important for all of us. So if you, if you don't have something to look forward to, I hope you get the book, read it and, uh, learn something from it and set some goals for yourself. You know, adventure is around every corner, anywhere, anywhere in the world, anywhere you you think you're going to be living the most boring place in the world. Well, it's a totally foreign place to someone on the other opposite side of the world, <laughs> just like you in some foreign random place in the world. You would think you're just in having this adventure of a lifetime. Well, it just happens to be someone else's backyard. Anyway, a few announcements. This episode specifically is brought to you by Peak Refuel. Awesome freeze-dried meals. Check it out. Peakrefuel.com. ASP20 at checkout. You can save 20%. Load up for the spring. Get ready for your summer adventures. Also, we have a pretty big announcement coming in the next few weeks. So be listening for that. I can't reveal any details yet. But I'm just saying this, if you are planning an adventure or know somebody that's planning an adventure this year, even if they're already on it, be listening. There might be a way to help them out with that adventure. That's all I can say for now. Also, thank you to our new patrons. We get a few each week. Super helpful in this show. If you'd like to become one, details are in the show notes. All right, let's do this. Before we get started, quick update between the recording of this episode and when it released today, uh, Heather was nominated to be a 2019 National Geographic Adventurer of the Year, a title only shared by six people, which is crazy that she is one of them. That is so cool. Congratulations, Heather. Man, I don't even know where to begin. I'll probably go more into detail about your accolades uh, in the official intro of the show, which I'll record after this just because just so i'm sure i get everything right but basically um you just did the did the triple crown in a calendar year and that was your tr- third time doing all three trails correct yeah what in the world <laughs> doing one is someone you know that's a lifetime goal for 99 percent of people you've done it nine times essentially yeah Holy yeah. Cow. Yeah. I mean, I used to be one of those people that thought people who hiked any of the triple crown trails more than once were crazy. It's like, why would you do that? And now I've done them all three times and I'm like, well, I guess I've become one of those crazy people that I always were like, why would you do that? Yeah. I'm definitely <laughs> one of those people. How do you accept like knowing, do you just kind of rely on, or does you might just not mind a lot of people climb the same stuff every day, year after year. Do you just look forward to seeing the same things again, or is it so big you kind of forget the details? Well, I mean, it's it's actually neither of those things. It, it's, it is something to do with the size. I mean, the trails change every year. They're a little different. Um, like the Appalachian Trail is like 20 miles longer now than it was the first time I hiked it. 
So there's 20 miles of that trail that I didn't walk the first time. And, uh, you know, so there's constant changes and things like that. And uh, also uh, just the variation from year to year. I mean, you're never walking through the same place at the exact same, you know, nothing's ever going to be exactly the same. And it's just such a long trail that there's just so much that's different, so much that changes from time to time. So even though you remember the basic landscape, it's still going to be different every time you hike. And really for me, it was just I had very different motivations each time I hiked the trails. And it was never my intention to set out to do them. Like I said, I I never thought I would do them more than once, much less three times. Um, But just at different points in my life, it was the logical choice to hike that trail. And uh, that's just how it ended up turning out, I guess. (laughs) Yes, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just mind-blowing. Like, there's so much. Because I've been on experiences that were months-long adventures in when you get back, it's so hard to even come up with a few sentences on how to explain it. And I'm sure you, this is this. You just finished this in November, or was it yeah, right in October? November. November. Holy it was November. cow! And you spent 251 days last year on the trail, and that's doing a lot of miles each time. I, I just can't even imagine you trying to put it into words, but you did um, in a book. Uh, which we will talk about in a little bit, but could could you take well, us? Actually, back? the book isn't a, isn't about the hike. Oh yeah, go ahead, because actually I just got it and I haven't had oh, okay. a chance to read it. I'm going to get. No, that it would be that. impressive if I managed to write a book between November <laughs> and now. <laughs> you just you just talked into it. You had somebody yeah. else writing it all down. Yeah. Oh, so the book is actually about my second Pacific Crest Trail hike, and it's the one where I set the self-supported uh, Pacific Crest Trail FKT in 2013. Okay. And I actually, so I actually wrote the book last winter while I was preparing for my calendar year Triple Crown hike. And it takes about a year to go through the whole editing and production process. So um, it, that's why the book's coming out now. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot more sense. I mean, between, <laughs> between you doing everything three times and like half of those being fastest known times and the combinations of them being fastest known times, I, I did get a little confused. <laughs> No, it's fine. And I think it's a common thing. People think that it's the book is about what I just did just because I just did this big thing. And now I'm like, hey, I have a book and everybody just kind of makes that Mm -hmm. logical assumption, um, which totally makes sense. Well, do you think you'll release anything with this with this specific trip or you're going to see how this first book goes? I hope so. I think that I mean, that was my intention all along to write about it. But um, just like a long hike, you know, your original intentions sometimes change over the course. So Mm. what I thought I would write about isn't what I want to write about now. So I'm still kind of formulating how I want to communicate my calendar year, uh, triple crown journey in book form. But the plan is to have a book about it. So yeah, I'm sure there's people pulling you at every end, people that want stat freaks that just want every little stat of every little mile and calorie and time it took you. And then also the people that just want the very, poetic thorough style of what did this mean in the greater sense putting those together would be pretty awesome right so you know could you take us back to because i mean these just these are crazy these are just incredible achievements and what was your first hike like and why did you want to do that yeah so my first through hike was the appalachian trail in 2003 and i wasn't really I wasn't a backpacker prior to doing that I had done some hiking and I'd done a couple of like practice overnight trips 
um, just like one night out. And I really just was enamored by the idea of being able to walk from Georgia to Maine. I just thought that this was sounded like the grandest adventure you could ever have. And I literally started my hike the day after I graduated college. So like less than 24 hours after I got my diploma in my hand, I was on Springer Mountain. Did you bring your north. diploma? No, I actually handed my diploma and the keys to my car to my parents in the parking lot after uh, commencement. And then I got in a different car with my friends who drove like all night and dropped me off at the mountain. Wow. So it was a, uh, and then, then, you know, it was kind of this thing where I like hiked away from my friends and then I was like, oh, well, now I'm in the woods for six months or whatever, however long it ends up taking me. And uh, it was, uh, I don't know that I knew I don't think I had any other plan than I thought that it sounded like a great adventure and I was determined to complete it. Um, and I did and ended up falling absolutely in love with hiking along the way and, uh, and with the like whole like lifestyle of through hiking. And I didn't even know that other trails existed till I was probably 500 miles into the AT. And then people were talking about the Pacific crest trail. And I was like, what's that? And they told me, and then they're like, and the Continental Divide Trail, it's the Triple Crown, you know? And I was like, you mean there's other trails like this? <laughs> and I was like, I have to do those. Um, so it was just like totally like snowballed because I my intention was always to just do the one hike because it's the only trail I knew of that was like that. And um, so from that kind of just like from there, I just was like, all right, well, I'm through hiking. And so I did the PCT two years later and and then the CDT the year after that to finish my first triple crown. I love it. I, I love that you didn't know because that yeah. that just goes to show you that these kinds of trips, especially if you st first start getting the idea, you don't have to be an expert when you first step foot on the trail. You just need to have some gear on your back and, and go for it. Yeah. An open mind is the most important thing. Hmm. That is awesome. You'll learn pretty much everything you need to along the way. Wow. So when you first, when you graduated and took off your cap and gown to put on a backpack, what did your parents think? Oh, they were, <laughs> they were so scared. Oh, they man. didn't have any, you know, they tried everything they could think of to convince me that this was a bad idea. And I'm inherently just incredibly stubborn and I had it in my head. I was going to do it. So there was nothing they could do to, to stop me. And, and my mom still talks about how I mean, my graduation uh, was in Indiana. I went to college in Indiana. My parents and I grew up in Michigan. And so she had to drive my car home from Indiana and it was Mother's Day and how she cried oh, the whole way home. <laughs> and she still talks about how like it was the worst Mother's Day of her life. And <laughs> I mean, she's OK with it now. She's like, oh, 100 percent supportive of what I do. But she was just so like scared for her baby girl was going off into the mountains with the wild animals and crazy people. And, but I wrote to her and I called her from the trail and the more she learned about the trail and the trail community and how I told her, like, you know, all the hikers watch out for each other out here and it's like a family and, you know, and she really started to like understand and like become excited about what I did. And, and, uh, you know, after I finished the trail, we actually had to drive to Florida for a family member's wedding and, I had detoured to Hot Springs, North Carolina, and took her to, because the trail actually, the AT walks right through Hot Springs. So you, the city sidewalk is the AT. So like I took her to the trail. She got to walk like a quarter of a mile of the AT and see the mountains. And um, it really like helped her connect with the experience I'd had. And, and ever since then, she's been, she worries because she's a mom, but 
she's been really supportive of of everything since then man that that's a harsh mother's day for sure yeah yeah i I still feel a little bad about that (laughs) i i was on my first trip on a mother's day and it was a bike trip but it was about a two and a half month bike trip and i I remember getting home, it was like 6,000 miles, and, and I wanted to ride to my dad's house, which was like three miles down the road. My parents were divorced, and my mom was like, no, that's a dangerous highway. And I was like, <laughs> mom, I just biked here. I got here yesterday. I biked here from Alaska, and it's in Florida. <laughs> mothers mothers will not stop, no matter what. Nope. And I'm not going to know nope. what that's like until until I have a, a child, but wow, <laughs> poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad she yeah. supports you now. Yeah, um, me too. So, so after that trip, what you, you immediately, you know, you learned about the other two, basically diamonds of the triple crown. How quickly did it take you to do the next one? So that that was 2003, and I hiked the PCT in 2005 and the CDT in 2006. And what did you do in between? I had to work and save some money because I was a broke college student when I did the AT. Like I had, I had five hundred dollars to do the whole AT. Wow. Um, wow. So it was done on an extremely thin budget. And so I actually had to like work and save some money between that and my next two hikes. Unreal. So were you exceptionally quick on your AT? Maybe for a first timer that didn't know anything. I know not by your standards now, but were you considered yeah. kind of fast? Yeah, I was for, for then the early two thousands. Like, it's funny. Cause it's like so different. It like makes me feel old now when I talk about my first hikes, cause we didn't have cell phones and, and apps and Man. all these things. And, you know, gear was, I mean, ultralight gear was just sort of starting. So I, I heard you had a $20 backpack. Um, I don't know how much my backpack originally cost, but it was pretty cheap. It was, I, I think I got it from like a Walmart or something. And, uh, but I ended up, getting rid of that by like mile 500 and, and taking a, getting a, finding an ultralight pack in a, in a hiker box. And, uh, I used that from there North, but, um, an old go light pack, go light doesn't even exist anymore. Oh and, yeah. Uh, Andrew Skirka was talking about go light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were like cutting edge, you know, in 2003 and they were like brand new. So, um, I had, you know, ultralight gear that was lit and I didn't even know it. I was like, well, this is lighter than the pack I have. Um, but, uh, yeah, it took me exactly four months to hike the AT and now lots of people do it in 90 days, but back then four months was considered really, really fast. Yeah. And now was that just your comfortable, your, your comfortable gait of how to, how to go or were you pushing it? No, I was just hiking. I mean, I had no concept of, of pacing or anything like that. I was just getting up every day and hiking how I felt and my, my love of hiking and my innate curiosity to just keep seeing what was around the corner just came out and led me to hike just all day. I've always just been an all day, every day hiker. Uh, I didn't take really a lot of zero days and didn't like to spend a lot of time in town. I just liked hiking because I was, that was just what I enjoyed to doing. So I didn't take a lot of breaks and time off. And so it just naturally leads to moving faster and doing more miles per day. I didn't hike very fast. Like, actual miles per hour, but I just hiked all day and didn't really stop much, so. I'm sure you have tried some freeze-dried and dehydrated meals before, but I promise you, you've never had anything close to as good as Peak Refuel. 
Uh, they make freeze-dried meals, which is different than dehydrated. It takes way less water to cook. It cooks a lot faster, and they cook the meals before they put everything together. A lot of companies just throw all the ingredients in there, and when you cook it, it's the first time it's ever been cooked. With them, all the flavors have cooked together. It's super tasty, and you can get 20% off by going to peakrefuel.com and using the code at checkout, ASP20. Seriously, give them a shot for whatever adventures that you have planned this year. Yeah, so you're not like speed. I mean, you're not like trotting out there. You, you, when someone saw you, it wouldn't be unusual looking apart from just you never stop. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I hike probably two and a half to three miles an hour, depending on the terrain, um, which I feel like is pretty standard for most through hikers you know because most through hikers get into pretty good shape move along at a pretty good clip okay but so, yeah, so you're not, I'm not sitting in the cafe charging your phone an extra hour scrolling through instagram an extra hour yeah well we didn't even have phones back then well, so <laughs> there was nothing to charge <laughs> yeah it saves lots of time yeah that is too funny so, so i guess moving forward you just kind of leaned into that tendency and for the next hike two years later, you just, I'm sure you trained, you were obviously more prepared, more experienced, and maybe just leaned into that, that quickness. Yeah, more or less. I mean, the, the PCT the first time took me four months and three weeks. Um, I hiked with a partner on that one. So it was a, that was a a learning experience because neither of us had hiked with somebody before. And, but yeah, I mean, then when I hiked the CDT the first time, it took us just like a day or two short of four months. So it was pretty consistent across all three trails, you know, that all day, every day hiking with minimal breaks and days off and basically covered each trail in about four months. So can I ask you this? Cause oh, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to this show that are planning a through hike or at least like to do something similar, but on a smaller scale, you know, like, what do you, what do you personally think about all day when you, especially when you're spending like 15 hours hiking, do you listen to music or podcasts or do you just zone out? Um, I, nowadays I do listen to music sometimes or sometimes an audio book, but not very often. Usually only if I'm doing like a road walk or something that's really boring, you know, usually you just, I don't know, you just think about everything and anything, you know, you daydream and you think about, you know, the, what you're looking at, you know, whether it's mountains or animals or whatever and um you think a lot about food and how hungry you are and you think about what you're going to eat when you get to town and and how nice it'll be to take a shower i mean you think about a lot of things uh that are related to making you more comfortable because you know there's a certain level of constant discomfort on a through hike man (laughs) just incredible i mean it's an incredible achievement and and i actually want to ask you about the book and i'm i'm I just got it in the mail and I have not, I'm finishing up another book by another one of our guests right now. Um, but I, I think I've gathered you did these hikes and then you were kind of settling into a more traditional life. And then at some point you decided that just wasn't going to work. And that's before you did this, the triple crowns in a calendar year. Could you, could you tell us about like what happened there and what, you know, obviously without giving too much away, but kind of the story yeah i mean that was really you know when i set out on my very first through hike my goal was to walk from georgia to maine and then when i found out the other two trails existed my goal was like okay i'm gonna do all three of these trails 
and that was always just the goal. You know, the end game was to get, you know, the three triple crown trails done and then, you know, move on with my life. Mm. And like out of your system, you did it. Yeah. Yeah. Build a career or whatever. Just go on to like, you know, doing what normal people do and take a two week hiking trip or, you know, hike on the weekends, you know, the standard, you know, thing. Um, In part because I didn't necessarily know that there were any other really long distance trails. Everything else that I knew of were things like the JMT or the Colorado Trail you know, things that were, you could take, you know, time off of work and do. Right. And, uh, and just, that was, you know, kind of always the life path that I had been exposed to was to just, you know, do the things, you know, get married, buy a house, have a job, have children, whatever, you know, just kind of move through the normal life things. And, um, I started off down that path and I, I realized rather quickly, like it wasn't, um, a good fit for me. And I struggled a lot with it because I felt like I was somehow broken or messed up because I wasn't happy doing what you're supposed to do. And, um, so I really struggled with that for, um, many years until, um, you know, I just reached a point where I just, I had to change something. And, um, so basically just dissolved that life and went back to hiking. And, uh, and that's really kind of, where the book thirst um, starts is with me back on the trail, trying to figure out what the heck I'm going to do with myself because the only thing that I've ever really found that I enjoyed and was good at and felt fulfilled doing was hiking and not really understanding myself in that or how that was okay and coming to terms with it and coming to terms with accepting myself for who I was. What gave you that confidence to walk away from or to dissolve, as you said, that that life to go back to something familiar, but that ultimately was so much more uncertain. Um, Well, it was definitely really an act of self-preservation because I was so unhappy um, that I just, you know, it was just spiraling into like the deepest form of depression you can imagine. Like I was just completely hollowed out and empty. And I knew that if I didn't change something like, you know, I would just be, I don't know. I wasn't going to survive basically. And that I had to like make a huge change and to try to figure out a new direction that was going to make me happy again and fulfilled. Did getting back out there fulfill you? It did. Um, I haven't looked back. Um, I really, it gave me an opportunity to deal with myself and to come to terms with all of the things that I needed to deal with personally. And, um, those are the sorts of things that it's not necessarily the trail that gives those to you or teaches those to you, but the trail definitely provides you a place for self-exploration. And that's really what the trails, especially my FKTs have been for me. They've been places where I could do deep self-work and self-exploration and, and take all of the things I learned in that place where it's just me back into like life off of the trail and make my life off of the trail meaningful and fulfilling um, so that I don't only need to be on the trail. Uh, that makes sense. You know, it, it's, it's hard to maintain all the time um, mm-hmm. because it does take money. You know, there is family. There are beautiful things outside of adventures in this life that require in a way maintenance um, mm-hmm. and cultivating. And so Finding that balance is hugely important for someone who's so driven, uh, like many of the people that listen to the show, by long endurance-based adventures that it feels like two different lives. 
Yeah. Yeah, it, it really does. And I think that was the, the problem in my past was just this like dichotomy between like when I'm on trail, and when I'm off trail. And, you know, it's, it's funny because writing thirst, I'm writing about myself five, six years ago and or longer. And after that, I, you know, I went on to set the Appalachian Trail self-supported FKT and, you know, do the calendar triple crown. And so I'm, I've even learned more um, adaptations and skills for balance even since writing thirst. And so um, I have finally reached this place where I feel like my on trail and off trail lives are not that different. Like I don't have to be a different person and like, they're just part of each other. Like it's, it's more homogenous and interwoven. Um, but it took a lot of work to get to that place. Hmm. So is it, what, what are some of those ways that you can maintain that same, maintain who you are in both worlds? Cause, cause I, I hear that a lot from people on the show and from people that write in that like, I feel I'm like, I'm not known at home. I feel like no one can, it's not relatable. What are some of the things that you've done? Well, um, for me, like I said, I had a lot of self-work that I had to do. And so learning to accept who I was, um, was the first crucial step because I spent so much of my time trying to be perfect and to live up to other people's expectations. And when I finally learned to accept myself for who I was, it made it a lot easier in my off trail relationships because I didn't have to struggle with the feeling that I was disappointing people like, like my parents, for instance, you know, cause I wasn't doing the things that I thought that they wanted me to do. And then the next step was really learning how to like actually love and respect myself, not just accept myself, but actually love myself. And that really helped with my like lifelong struggle with self-esteem and, and body image issues. And so it was just like a, a stepping stones of growth. And and learning that keeping a very simple off-trail life is a way to make um, your on-trail and off-trail life very um, uh, interdependent. And because like when you're on the trail, you know, you have just what's in your backpack and that's enough. You know, you love getting to town and having the luxuries of like a bed and a shower and like hot food, you know, like that somebody else cooks for you in temperature-controlled environments. And you learn very quickly the things that are super important to you. And so, you know, over time, I've just learned that a lot of the things that we we aim to acquire in this life, especially in a Western consumerist society, aren't actually important to me because they aren't things that I value because I know pretty firmly what I value from the time spent on the trail going without. And so just trying to make sure that I limit myself to those things that I value and that keeps your life less expensive. It makes you more friendly on the environment. And it like overall just makes you a happier person because your stuff isn't like owning you. Um, so those have been major, major issues. And as far as interrelational, you know, like a lot of people in my life, especially like a lot of my family and my friends from earlier, they don't understand the hiking. It's, it's not relatable and they'll never understand it, but they're curious and they support me because they love me. And I've definitely learned to surround myself with close friends who are also adventurers, even if they're in a different sport. Um, but having a close community of like-minded people has been really important to me. And um, meeting all kinds of these really awesome, like badass women in the Northwest, like living in the Pacific Northwest has been so good for me um, because I never had women that around me that enjoyed, you know, getting after it in the mountains. And now I do. And it's been so important. And even when I'm away from this community, like we can text and we can share and we can support each other. And so even if like a lot of the people in your network um, 
can't relate, like having people that can and um, relying on those people and staying in touch with those people and keeping them close to you is so important. And um, so those have been kind of, I guess, some of the ways that I've, I've learned to integrate the two, the two lives. Oh, that's fantastic. I imagine when you feel like you were made to do this and you have a life that prevents you and you can't really accept that normal path, it probably makes you feel like you're being selfish or, or, or impractical or, or immature or something. But it's pretty awesome that you leaned into that and decided to go for it and it doesn't seem that you have regrets about that. No, I don't. No regrets. Um, I think it's important to to realize that everybody is different and everybody walks a different path. We're all on a similar journey, but everybody's journey is different. And I think that that learning to honor that and value that rather than try to make people conform is like one of the most important things we can do for each other. Wow, that's awesome. Dang. Well, sorry to get so deep. I didn't mean to. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> I'd rather talk about that than gear. So. Oh, God. I was feeling, I want to, that's funny you stink and say that because I was feeling bad. <laughs> We had some listeners writing like, I want to hear more about gear. I'm like, man, I just don't want to talk about gear. Like it is so not about the gear. There's one in every crowd. They want to know the gear. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't really like talking about gear. No, me neither, man. I I still have a, I run a little backpacking company and we send customers the best gear on their, on their, uh, rental, uh, kind of guided trips. Mm-hmm. And personally, I still use a, an external frame Kelty that I got at a yard sale for $10 in college. And there's not a dang thing wrong with it. I used it in Yosemite last year. I'll use it in Colorado every, every summer. It's, it's great. Like I have no, I, if I get a scratch or something, I don't worry about it. And shoot, man, it's just a bag with some stuff in it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I was like, I mean, I have the gear that I like, but it's definitely something that has taken me, you know, over a decade of trial and error to find what I like and to know what I'm looking for. And then once I find the thing I like, I'm going to use it. And uh, it doesn't mean that it's going to be the best thing for anybody else. You know, I, I it's funny to me because it's like uh, the PCT specifically is very culty when it comes to gear. There's like the PCT shoe and the PCT tent and the PCT jacket. It's like every <laughs> hiker, you know, uses the same thing. It's always been that way. And I remember on my first PCT hike being feeling like that that kid in school that doesn't have the the things that all the other kids had and being like man i need it i need this pack and these shoes because all the other hikers have those and i don't and i ended up getting the pack and the jacket yeah. and then i hated them <laughs> they didn't work for me um <laughs> but it was so funny because like i was like i have to have these things because that's what real through hikers use so gear is just a very a funny thing and it's very individual and you just really have to find what works for you Time for a quick message break. So, you know, this show is brought to you by Camp Crate. They specialize in self guided, pre planned, all inclusive backpacking adventures, as well as trip advice and as well as camping gear rental. So, if you're in need of any of that stuff, reach out to them at campcrate.net. Very helpful and very knowledgeable. It's a great way to try backpacking for the first time or to scroll through their list of itineraries if you need some ideas on where to go. They will literally send you all your gear, your food, permits, coffee even, in a box to your front door. Use it for your trip. When you're done, return it with the pre-printed included return label. It's that easy. It makes backpacking and getting into the backcountry very approachable, very simple. Give them a shot. 
now back to the episode you know and now now you're at the point you might disagree you seem humble uh, about it all but you're at the point where you can set the trend if you want to <laughs> you could be like well Heather yeah. wears Nikes <laughs> right right no one does that that's yeah. hilarious um I'm but but yeah but you, you know for someone with your caliber wanting not and I have to ask you this: uh, If you wanted to break, get all the fastest known times, you you do need some lightweight, high quality, um, very well made gear. Um, but did you set out to do that? Those uh, FKTs? Yeah, they were all intentional. Okay. Um, yeah, they definitely were. <laughs> and you enjoy that? That's the way you enjoy the trail. Um, for those three trails that I did that way, that was definitely the thing I needed at that time in my life and it was super enjoyable and you know and then there's something to be said for you know my hike in 2017 on the CDT which was still fast I did it in 90 days but you know I hiked with my fiance and we like you know made coffee every morning and like you know stayed in hotels and like we did it very luxurious for us but we also just like hiked 30 miles every day so it was just (laughs) you know we still you know that was kind of like our vacation hike but um yeah, you know, there's just something to be said for all kinds of different ways of experiencing a trail. That's funny. Well, and, you know, especially if you do it, you know, if it's your third time, you can kind of justify right. flying through it a little bit to, to go for a new kind of challenge. Right. So so where does the uh, where does the trail name come from? Is it pronounced Anish? Anish is how I pronounce Anish. it, but Anish okay. is fine, too. It's it's actually short for Anishinaabe. Um and that's the Native American people groups of uh, of Michigan and the upper Midwest and into Canada. And so my great, great grandmother was Anishinaabe. And so I chose the trail name uh, when I was on the AT in 2003, just to honor that heritage. And all the other hikers were like, we're not saying that. And so they just shortened it to Anish. And so I've been Anish ever since. And, and it works. You like it. Yeah, I do. It's And it's meaningful to me. And yeah, so it's a good, a good fit. So, so there's a there's a story um, in the book about you encountering a mountain lion. Do you mind sharing that? I actually encountered four mountain lions on my PCT hike. Okay. Yeah. So there's I... there's actually four <laughs> encounters in the book, and uh, so they're they're all unique experiences. Holy yeah, and cow. it was def- definitely a range of of reactions with each uh, each encounter. <laughs> kind of a hot topic right now with the guy in, in Colorado that was attacked during his trail run. I'm sure you heard about that. Yeah, I did. Yeah. It's been interesting because, uh, you know, I hiked, I did a lot of night hiking and I think that that's why I saw so many. Um, cause I, I used to joke that it was the lion hour between 10 and 11 PM. Cause I saw all of them between 10 and 11 PM. You know, I never really felt threatened by any of them. One of them did stalk me for a short distance. Um, probably a mile or so, but I didn't, other than that, I didn't feel, and it, it was always at a distance. So I didn't necessarily feel threatened because cats do follow, um, out of curiosity, whether they're actually stalking you for predatory reasons or not. Um, but all of the encounters went well. Um, I mean, people can read the details when they read the book, but, um, yeah, it's been interesting because in the last few years, it seems like there's definitely been an increase in actual lion attacks. Uh, we had one in a fatal attack in Washington at the beginning of last year. And then there was also um, a woman in the Mount Hood area that was attacked and killed by one last year as well. And then the guy in 
Colorado. So there's been just like an increase. And I don't know if it's just we're hearing more about it on the news or um, if there's just actually becoming an issue, becoming a problem. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's just more people getting out there or what. But besides that, was there any other, um, did you ever feel threatened or or in danger? There were definitely environmental dangers, um, some pretty nasty thunderstorms where I was in exposed areas and then just sketchy river crossings um, and, you know, issues with heat and dehydration in the desert. Um, So it pretty much had, you know, a steady stream of just like challenges um, to overcome throughout the entire hike. Um, wow. But, uh, yeah, just the kind of like the standard stuff you encounter on a hike, but just yeah. that much more intensified just because of what I was doing. Did you ever finish or get to the point after finishing one of the hikes and been like, Oh my God, I got to do this all over again <laughs> for the next one. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, definitely last year when I was doing the calendar triple crown, there were some moments where I was like, Oh God, I still got to hike the whole CDT, you know, or whatever. Like I had already done almost the entire Appalachian trail and I'd be like halfway through the PCT. And then I'd remember like, Oh yeah, I still have to do the entire CDT. You know, it's just like, Oh, I don't feel like that right now. I don't want (laughs) to do that many more. You know, I just want to be done when I get to Canada. Um, So definitely like, but you know what I've learned, I learned this in ultra running too. You just don't think about the whole, you just think about getting to, whatever the next goal is. So like in a run, you know, you just get to the next aid station and don't think about the fact you're running a hundred miles. You just, you're just going to the next aid station. And it's the same way with like a through hike, you just go to the next town or you go to the next pass or the next mountain or whatever, you know, and small goals. Yeah. That's, that's life. That's what that is. Yeah. That's, that's hiking. That's freaking life. One day at a time. Jeez. Exactly. It's hard out there sometimes. Yeah. Wow. So, so, you know, this is unique. And since the book isn't really about this, um, I'd love to know what, what were the logistics getting from the end of one trail to the beginning of next? Did you drive and, and it was the AT, PCT, then CDT? Yeah, I basically did a little bit of a flip flop of the CDT and the AT. So I didn't quite do all of the AT at first. And then I went and did a little piece of the CDT. And then after the PCT, I went back to the CDT, but then I had to go finish the AT and come back. So there was a little bit of hopping back and forth between the AT and the CDT, just because those had kind of more flexible weather windows. And also yeah. like my, my fiance was finishing his only triple crown um, on the PCT this year. So I wanted to do a straight northbound hike with him so we could do that whole through hike together. Um, so the other two kind of had to piece around that wow. PCT hike. Show him the ropes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, uh, I flew it back and forth, um, and connected by bus and, um, and then I had, I have friends all over the country. And so I had good friends that picked me up and stuff like that. And, um, and then there we, I drove, um, between the end of the PCT and the Northern part of the CDT as well. Cause that's really not far. It's like a 10 hour drive or something. So, um, yeah, so it was a variety, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles, or, <laughs> you know, a little bit of everything. So, so when did it start hitting you that you were going to finish this and you were going to f- just have done this giant experience and for the first time as a woman? Um, I think it really settled in once I had finished the AT and I only had like a six or 700 miles of the CDT left. 
like I was fairly confident I was going to finish before then, you know, and, and it was mostly just like by the time I had done the majority of the AT and the whole PCT without injury, I was just like, you know, I think I'll be able to finish this. Um, and cause I knew that even if like there was bad weather on the CDT, I would just have to connect around, um, like everybody else on the CDT cause you almost always have to connect around cause of bad weather somewhere. Um, so yeah, it was really once two of the trails were complete and I only had like a few hundred miles left that I was like, okay, this is happening. Like no matter what, I am going to connect my steps and be done with this, um, and finish it. And it was really more of a, a sense of just wanting to be done than a sense of accomplishment. And I think it was just because it was such a long endeavor. I was just ready to be done. Like, I was like, yeah, that's great. Like, first woman, great. I just want to be done. <laughs> like, I want to be done walking, um, which was funny because I never thought I could ever be tired of walking. And and so I, I definitely I realized think. that, yeah, I guess I guess I realized, you know, that around the six or seven month mark, I was good. Like I was good with that amount of hiking for the year. Um, so now I know to aim for hikes that take me less than six or seven months. That shouldn't be too difficult. And eight months was a little bit too long. Right, right. Just a little, just a little though. Just a little. Not yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. So 5,000 miles or less of through hiking in one year is probably perfect. For <laughs> Golly, come on. Jeez. That is too, that's too funny though. I mean. It was. So, so what did you do? What, what was the next day after the trip like? Um, I got in the car and drove. Um, <laughs> By yourself? Like, well, no, my fiance was oh, there. Okay. So um, I stayed in a hotel in, in Grants, New Mexico, where I finished the hike. And the next day we, I don't even remember exactly how far we drove. We just drove because we were coming to Florida to visit family. And uh, so we just started driving toward Florida. Um, and uh, so we... Uh, I don't remember where we actually stayed that night. Oh, we camped somewhere. Some random thing we found on a free camping website. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like outside some small town in like East Texas or something. Oh, I don't know. Gosh. We just drove like eight hours and then just stayed in this random like city park where they let you like sleep. <laughs> Freecampgrounds.net. <laughs> yeah, pretty free much. I think that's what it is. Yeah, free campsites. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Use a place and all so, the time. Yeah, we do too. <laughs> so it was really not very dramatic it was very much just like all right well i guess we start driving home now well so what was visiting the family in florida like because that's about the opposite of a world as you can get from all those trails well unfortunately it wasn't a very good time because my sister um was dying of cancer and so um it was a really rough uh transition back man sorry Um, yeah so um she passed away uh, about a month ago um, so we were here, um, for the last few months and, uh, um, so it was really, it was actually very tough. And I think that it kind of didn't really let me process a lot of last year just because it went from like this one extreme to another extreme. No kidding. Um, God. Yeah. So, so the trip was immediately on the back burner. Pretty much, you know, it was like something that like happened, but I was like, you know, and then I had, my book was coming out. And so there's been a lot of stuff that I needed to do and like, talk to do interviews and podcasts and stuff but it was it for me personally it's always just been like a second place it's not been in the forefront you know um just because the forefront was just what was happening um in my personal life um so yeah well this is um a lot going on all at once from 
I mean, this all this has just happened, including what you just mentioned. What do you foresee this year being like for you? Are you going to try to take it slow and process this or, or what? Yeah, I mean, as, as best I can. Um, So my fiance and I are getting married in a little over a month. Um, Congratulations. So, thank you. So I guess from, from here, it's like, you know. Another huge step. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just been kind of like all these things one after the other and, but they've all just been in a very natural progression. And, you know, the calendar triple crown was definitely my last big, you know, hiking dream that I've had that I wanted to do. And, and I completed that. And then there's just been like definitely some, some changes in my family and and personal life and reevaluating all of that. And, and now it's time to like move forward. So I'm definitely feel like in another period of transition where now I'm focusing on like building this life with, this person and, and, um, figuring out what that's going to look like. And, um, so yeah, just like, I feel like this year is just going to be very much a, a year of transitions and, and foundations for a life that, um, we're going to build. So it's just, uh, going to be one, one, another, that's life, you know, like you said earlier, it's just one thing after another. So small chunks (laughs) focusing one thing at a time. Yeah, I remember complaining about a bunch of stuff a few years ago. Maybe I was in college, and my dad just looked at me and was like, son, that just sounds like life. That's just what <laughs> life is. It's just all these things. The moment yeah. you stop looking at all these things that happen to you as diversions, and you realize that these aren't diversions from your normal life. These are your normal life. And exactly. And you, you accept those. That will help you handle it a lot easier. And For man. sure, yeah. But definitely something hiking has taught me because mm. it – you know, when you're hiking and, and something happens, there's nothing you can do about it except control how you react to it, you know, because stuff just happens when you're hiking. And, and, you know, when you're at home and, you know, something breaks, you get a replacement. If you're in the middle of the woods and your pack strap breaks off, which happened to my hiking partner once, oh. sometimes you're going to have to hike 200 miles, like one pack strap on and the other pack strap, you know, held on with your hand, oh my gosh. you know, and you just you can like just be upset about it the whole time. Or you could just be like, well, this is just reality now and, and move forward. And that's really just, you know, the best way to handle everything in life really is to, to not spend a lot of time and energy on how things should be or, or, or whatever, or how life is just, you know, all these distractions are happening and just focus on what is and how you're going to deal with that and go forward. Yeah. I, I guess that is the only thing in your control is your attitude. Yeah. You know, not the weather, not your gear, even half yep. the time, not even other people's reactions or how they feel about you, but exactly just your, your little attitude. <laughs> yep. That's all you can control. And that's what you got to focus on is how you're going to, because you're the only one in control, how you are going to feel and how, you know, you're going to react. So, man, um, well, I can't imagine the attitude you had to maintain on this, this hike. And I'm sure. I'm sure this has given you, so, so, you know, life is going to be in a way a little more normal than it was before and something that you didn't handle before. Do you have a newfound confidence kind of trying it again? Definitely. You know, um, you know, as we talked about earlier, you know, I've just, I needed a period of time to really deal with my own self and, and, you know, I think unless you can understand and accept and love yourself, you, you can't really move forward in life very well. And I think I was really stuck and really unable to do those things. And I mean, I'm certainly not perfect now, but at least I have a better understanding of, of myself and, 
and what I need to do to be able to move forward in life and, and to work within um, a framework and, and stay happy and true to myself while still living a, a responsible and productive life. Yeah, I don't doubt one bit you'll be able to find that balance really, really well. Um, and I'm extremely excited to get into this book now that I know a little bit more about it. Do you mind sharing where can people where can people find the book and where can people follow you? Sure. So the book is being published by Mountaineers Books. And so they will be selling the book directly from their website. And you can also find it um, from Amazon um, and, you know, at bookstores and things like that. Um, I'm also selling autographed copies directly. And see, I have a square up store for that. And you can find that on my website or on my Instagram. Um, basically, Instagram is where I do most of my following stuff. So my website is Anish Hikes, A-N-I-S-H-H-I-K-E-S dot WordPress dot com. And then my Instagram is just Anish Hikes, A-N-I-S-H-H-I-K-E-S. And so um, that's the best way to follow me is on those two. Um, my website has information on like where I'll be speaking because I do a lot of um, public speaking and events. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the best uh, source where everything's in one spot. And then, yeah, I just post my adventures and stuff on Instagram. Well, Heather, congratulations. Uh, congratulations on getting married soon. And Thank you. Uh, I'm excited for you to test out this new found quote normal life it's going to be fun yeah <laughs> yes it should be a great adventure and i'm sure another great book will come from it no matter what's going to happen so congratulations and the best of luck to you thank you very much all right well, well have a good evening and, and thanks for being on the show yeah you too Bye-bye. all right bye first of all thank you so much for listening to the episode uh secondly if you would like to get in touch you can leave us a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. You can also send us an email, info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Get a hold of us on Facebook, Instagram. Contact us on the website. Like, There's just a thousand ways to do it. If you know somebody that would make a good guest for the show, whether they're whether it's you or somebody you know with a really cool story or background or does an interesting sport, get in touch. We'd love to have them on. Also, if you'd like to be a patron, a.k.a. a supporter of the show, patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast you can sign up for as little as a buck a month you can sign up for five bucks a month and lastly thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now if you want to save 20 percent off the best backpacking food on planet earth go to peakrefuel.com and at checkout use the code asp20 So after all of this outdoor talk, if you're looking to plan your own getaway, head to BackpackTribe.com and get ready for your next adventure. They have customized gear bundles and free shipping, and they'll be able to get you ready for any adventure that you want to tackle. Check them out, BackpackTribe.com.